Welcome to Making Metric Easy, presented by Outlaw Technology. I'm Hans Dietrich. And I'm Brie Oaxaca. And each week we speak with the companies in the trenches of the seed to sale process. Our guest today is Matt Kurtzman, founder and CEO of Canold in Massachusetts. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me. We're happy to have you. Canold is a data analytics company, slightly different than the guests we usually have. A lot different, actually, because he works with all the same customers. Canold's been a long-term partner of ours. They handle predictive modeling, business intelligence, and use the data that we help send to Metric to create all of these reports. We've known him for several years now. We also have Outlaw CEO, Dave Eagleson, with us here today. Hey, Dave. Hey, Hans. How are you doing? Doing great. Matt, before we get more into what Canel does, tell us a little bit about your background and your relationship to the cannabis industry and how you got into it. Sure, no problem. So my background is in predictive modeling, data science, business intelligence. I've been doing some flavor of this type of work now for like 21 years. I started getting into data modeling and analytics through the lens of Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. So I did a lot of work for Staples and their fulfillment and e-commerce divisions. Then I moved over to TripAdvisor. And when I was at TripAdvisor, I got into predictive modeling and some and real big data type of analysis. And then after I left TripAdvisor, I was at Boston Consulting Group. I was there for about five years. And I was a part of a team of data scientist consultants that specialized in customer analytics, more specifically looking at how customers interact with loyalty programs, promotions, doing things like churn analysis and lifetime value. And about three years into my five years there, I also got into the booze business. I started a craft distillery with a couple of friends from from college. It really kind of started off as a hobby, and then it turned into a business plan and then fundraising. And then in 2015, we started up a, a distillery, and it's still up and running. It's just it's called Short Path Distillery. We make whiskey and gin and rum and brandy. And it uh, is just north of Boston, where I'm based in a town called Everett. And we also have a cocktail bar attached to the distillery where we serve cocktails with all the spirits that we make. So Dave and I have been there to your distillery. We had a great time out at the outdoor patio. It was very, very cool. And the, the gin is actually awesome. If anybody wants to go there, I recommend it. Hey, thanks. That's high praise, Hans. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. So then the cannabis side of it. So then you, I assume, you know, with your data analytics, you saw the opportunity and how long have you been, how long's Cannell been at it? I was doing, I, I did full-time Boston Consulting Group and Distillery for two years and got completely burnt out. So I decided to quit BCG and then focus on doing some just independent consulting and the data modeling space. And one of my first customers was a vertically integrated medical operator just south of Boston. They were running BioTrack at the time and having a really difficult time using some of the front end reporting capabilities of BioTrack to identify some patients that were churning out of their retail program. And at Boston Consulting Group, that was kind of my bread and butter was to analyze customer behavior, understand what type of activity was promoting a specific customer to leave the business. And I was able to pull all of the underlying data out of BioTrack 
it was sitting inside of what's called a Postgres database. So it was super easy for me to pull out all the underlying data. And we built what's called a churn identification model, which basically allowed us to say, you know, hey, Bruce, we know you love pre-rolls. We haven't seen you in 67 days. Here's 20% off your next pre-roll when you come in again. And we built out this retention campaign that was hugely successful. A bunch of people came back into the business and the operator, the vertical, the vertically integrated operator, they were delighted to see uh, many of their customers come back. And then as you guys likely know, there is a lot of churn that happens uh, for cannabis employees. So some folks left the vertical south of Boston and, and they moved up to work at a vertical north of Boston. And they said, hey, this guy, Matt, was building in all these really great data models for us. You should give him a call and see if he can help support some of our business intelligence and data modeling initiatives. So then I started getting all these inbound requests from different cannabis operators to support business intelligence and data modeling and analytics. And, and this is probably now uh, just, just south of seven years ago I've been doing this and have since been building software which enables cannabis operators across the entire supply chain to automate analytic workflow, reduce waste, optimize processes. It really just enjoy this beautiful clarity into the business that you would never be able to get by just leveraging the front end reporting capabilities of the software that you use every day. Matt, that's really awesome. So for our listeners, you know, you mentioned working with Biotrack. What other systems have you had experience working with and what state regulatory agencies? Sure. Yeah. So we are now working with uh, about 50 operators across over 100 licenses in 13 markets. And we have built out integrations with Biotrack, with Metric, with Dutchy, with Trees, with Blaze and a few other types of ancillary software services that businesses use having to do with CRM and with payroll and things uh, things like that. Yeah, and on our end, I would say, Matt, you know, with Outlaw, the stuff that we're doing, capturing, I think we're pushing it, as you know, into metric. I assume that at that point you're pulling it because a little history, Matt and I chatted a couple of years ago and immediately I saw the value of what he did. And I think you probably saw the value of what we're doing. So it was kind of interesting, but we have some common customers. In fact, one of the ones that jumps to mind, I know that we're both heavily involved in is in Michigan called Common Citizen. Can you talk about kind of their roles and kind of what they're looking to do? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we figured out pretty early on was that in markets that are leveraging the state mandated traceability platforms like Metric or like BioTrack, you are in this beautiful situation where there is such a rich amount of data that is being captured to basically comply with the regulatory requirements that the various departments of health and control commissions are putting out there. And clearly, these are there to make sure that the cannabis operators are operating compliantly. But as a result, of this compliance and regulatory tracking, there is literally a gold mine of, of data that is being captured that runs up and down the entire cannabis supply chain. So for the folks like Common Citizen and other really savvy operators, they realize that this is the source of truth, this is the gospel, 
And what we can do with all of this rich data is liberate it from the back ends of these platforms, centralize it, standardize it, and then use it to help operators solve process-related problems and optimize their, their different types of manufacturing or cultivation or retail or delivery operations to be more efficient. So you not only help keep customers coming back, help eliminate churn, but you're also improving the processes, showing them the cultivators, the processors, the entire supply chain, where they can do better. What kind of reports do they get? What kind of data do they see? We are working alongside folks like folks like you on the outlaw side, where there are processes involved that are are creating this this data. And it, the data is accurate, it's on time, and it is the literally what the operators are being held accountable for, for the accuracy of running their business. So the data in some capacity has to be at least good enough to appease the regulators. And then what we're doing with all of that data is we are showing ways to tune the business and the operation in a way to get more out of it. So I'll give you a for instance. Most operators who are running a cultivation operation are looking at a, at a metric or a, a key performance indicator called grams per square foot. And what that is, is allows the operator to identify for every square foot of canopy that they're using in their grow, how much dried cured biomass are you able to generate from that specific square foot? So it's a way to be able to look at how efficiently or how effectively you're leveraging your canopy space to grow cannabis. So the data that you need to support that type of analysis or that KPI, key performance indicator, is one of the major inputs that come inside of metric. And this is information about the all the plants as they go through their life cycle, as well as information coming out of harvest events, looking at how much biomass is being identified. So what our data models are doing is we're taking all of the metadata that comes from these harvest events and from all of the plant data that comes out of metric. And we're identifying by flower room, by bedroom, by cultivar, by phenotype, which types of plants are generating the most benefit to the business. Now, when I say benefit here, we talked about the grams per per foot, but there's also a couple of other things that are coming out of out of metric that are fascinating and so important in understanding how to optimize the business. So one one other one is potency. So major and minor cannabinoids, as well as terpene profiles that are associated with all the harvests, as well as the disposition of the finished goods. So what that means is if I have 10 pounds of bulk flour that comes out of a given harvest, what does that turn into? Is that going to be 60% packaged bud and 40% extraction material? Or is it going to be 80% pre-roll material and 20% extraction material? So being able to identify what that disposition of finished goods are is important information to understand to help make decisions about what to grow and when to grow. So the more granular you go, the better. So does that mean that tagging each individual plant can be really beneficial for the data that you're collecting and for helping the bottom line of the businesses? 
Absolutely. So for us, we kind of look at the lowest common denominator. In most cultivation operations, what we see are multiple plants getting batched together as part of a harvest batch. But those plants are sharing the same phenotypic qualities and are are batched together for common attributes of the plant itself. So as you have maybe 100 plants as part of one plant batch or, or 50 plants as part of one plant batch, all of the information that's being generated from that plant batch from a harvest perspective, like the wet weight and the dry weight and how much is wasted out trimming or a, a pre-processing perspective, and then finally how all of that biomass gets converted into finished goods or how well it's performing from a yield perspective if if there's a transformation from biomass to extraction material all of that gets captured and the more detail that gets captured the more information that we have for downstream reporting and downstream data modeling yeah and that's interesting cuz like i said we started as you know in the seed to sale side outlaw that is with our harvest system which Hans kind of touched on you know every plant has to be weighed we know the wet weights we know the dry weights we know the waste weights but in addition to that the other thing that you know we we've, we've been actively doing is our maverick system for dispensaries now for dispensaries you mentioned um, both trees and you mentioned dutchy they're both groups that we pull from so with that i assume a lot of the analytics you're trying to determine beyond customer is also reorder Correct. So when we're doing our inventory saying, hey, we're low on something or, hey, the count is wrong, I'm assuming the clients could use Canode's tool set to determine, you know, what should they order or what should be maybe discontinued. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's spot on, David. We do a ton of work on the retail and delivery analytics side. And as you can imagine, there is so much variety and diversity of products that are available for retailers to buy to make available for their end consumers. So we realize that all of this data has to be tracked, whether it's in the point of sale or further downstream in the in the state tracking systems. And we leverage all this data in near real time to basically tell a story about what operators should be buying, what they should not be buying, and not only what they should be buying, but what are the quantities of those things they need to buy to make sure that they are optimizing their assortment, they're reducing their inventory carrying cost. They're making sure that they are optimizing their shelf space in the vault and building better relationships with the brands and the vendors that they buy their products from. Yeah. And of course, and we all know that, you know, if I have a strain that's flying off the shelves this week, my cultivation team upstream is going to want to know that sooner rather than later because, you know, it's going to take them 120 days to get more uh, plants ready for retail. A hundred percent. So if you if you distilled what we do into one quick sentence, it is basically building the intersection between cannabis supply and cannabis demand. Demand is obviously clearly coming from the the signals of from what people are buying. Now, people can be the end consumer from a business to consumer type of sales structure or a business to business type of sales structure where a producer or a cultivator is selling products to a retailer or to a manufacturer or to a distributor. So the collective demand that is being generated from those sales activities is a signal for what people want and how often they want it. And then when we're able to bump the demand up against the supply, so how much 
finished good inventory do we have? How much inventory do we have in the form of a work in process or a, a raw material? Or even how much inventory we have in the form of plants that are actively growing right now? These are all functions of what supply looks like. And by having the ability to stitch the supply and demand together in real time, gives a it paints a, a beautiful story for, for operators about what, what should we be making? What should we be growing? What should we be selling? What should we be discontinuing in order to optimize? So Matt, basically you're providing full visibility, especially to fully integrated vertical operators to see everything that's going on at every aspect of their business. When, when's the best time and, and where does it, when does it make sense for a company to bring Canold into the mix? So there's lots of great entry points to bring Canold in. And there it really depends on, on the needs of the business itself. We work, as I mentioned before, with every every vertical inside of the supply chain. So whether you're furthest upstream on the on the cultivation side or you're moving further downstream on the manufacturing and post-harvest side, and then even further downstream on the wholesale, retail, delivery uh, delivery operation side. All of these places are good entry points. And what we like to think about is one of the first things that we talk about with operators is we know that there is this manual process pulling down data from the various sources and taking that data and putting it into a spreadsheet and then running pivot tables and VLOOKUPs and, and doing all of this manual manipulation to tell a story. The time that's being spent on doing that from a manual perspective, in our opinion, is lost time. And our whole idea is if you can automate something, then it's a much better for a building trust in the data, as well as giving people time back so they can spend on higher value or more time sensitive type of activities. Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about that. I think one of the things that we heard on some of our earlier podcasts, we had a client refer to metric as the database of truth, because as you said, I mean, pretty much with the compliance requirements, you do have a rich data, but I think some things that are lost on folks is, look, capturing it for compliance only is kind of missing the mark. Don't you agree that you know you're capturing this data? Use it. Use it for business decisions. Use it for your finance, your CFO. Use it for, like you said, your sales and marketing teams to understand the data, right? Because I think people get wrapped up, Matt, around the fact that, geez, I have to do this because I'm in Michigan or Massachusetts or California. You know, you name the state. They do it, but the reality of it is, and I guess I'll have you kind of answer, but you know, aren't they missing the mark by just thinking compliance is the checkbox only? Oh, 100%, David. Uh, it is fascinating. There is no other industry in the world, to my knowledge, and I've been doing this for some time, that compels every single licensed operator who's participating in that market to not only track everything about their business, but to do it in the same format. So every business is tracking all of their data. And when I say all, I, I use that a little bit loosely, but almost all of their data in the same format. So agnostic to a given operator's analytic acumen, whether or not they're savvy or not with data modeling, they have done, they have checked the box for the hardest part, which is just capturing the data. 
And then if you're not, as you mentioned, David, using it for more things than just compliance, further downstream data modeling and business intelligence and understanding how to reduce waste and optimize processes, you are definitely at a disadvantage. And it is so important for operators to realize that they are already sitting on all of this rich information and it just needs to be modeled in a way to tell a story about how to reduce waste. And then you are operating your business with much more clarity than you've ever had before. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we run, we at Outlaw run into the same kind of issue where I would say, you know, percentage wise, you know, maybe 5% of the market, maybe 10% is using the RFID tags that metric pushes out there, right? To track these items, which is what we're trying to do, right? With our Desperado and our Maverick and our, and our OG Harvest. Well, what's interesting is, you know, uh, same thing with you. I think I would venture to guess, Matt, and you would know better than I, that probably only a small percentage of the industry really is leveraging this data the data you speak of. I mean, you know, you mentioned 50 clients, you know what I mean? You think about that in the scheme of the number of licensees out there, it's kind of mind numbing that people aren't gravitating to what we do and what you do. And I know it sounds self-serving, but the fact of the matter is, is they're already having to do these functions. They might as well get the value. Do you agree? A hundred percent. And, and there's, there's clearly savvy operators out there that are, are leveraging the data in meaningful ways. And what we like to say is, hey, look, if you're spending an hour a day or a day a week or a week a month doing manual reporting, think about a reality where that work or that time was completely automated. And all of the effort in creating these reports that sometimes even by the time that they're done are no longer even relevant, what if you got all that time back and had clarity about the business fed to you in the matter of seconds rather than days. And when we can, when you can use tools and services like Canal, you're able to, to get access to that information and that clarity much easier and quicker. And then you can have many more at bats when it comes to reducing waste and optimize, uh, optimizing the business. Make it so they can pivot on a dime when they need to, you know, it'd be, Really interesting if you could pull the data to see how the companies that are leveraging this data and getting all these analytics are doing compared to the companies that are not leveraging all this data and the RFID tags. I wish that were possible to pull out. I mean, as Dave referenced, we run into this all the time. People just are not taking advantage of what metric offers. And the other industries, other industries out there, Walmart, we bring up Walmart all the time. Walmart, what are the other companies? I know uh, Adidas, they all use RFID tags voluntarily and are tracking this data just for the reasons you mentioned. And you come from that industry, you know, outside of cannabis, where you were tracking things prior to being in cannabis. Oh, yeah. It's it's kind of the chicken versus an egg, right? Like, how do you know it's working without actually without actually getting into it? And for us, it's very clear, right? If you can't measure something, you can't control something. And what we have, like, I'll give you a a very quick, for instance, on a retail side, we can go in and instantly, and when I say instantly, I mean, within a few minutes here, absorb all of your retail data, all of your transaction data, all of your inventory data, and then spit back out to you how many dollars of inventory that you're sitting on right now 
and not only how much inventory you're sitting on, but how many days of supply that you have. And operators who are not thinking about optimizing inventory levels, we can go in and say, hey, look, do you realize that you've got three years worth of tinctures in your inventory? And those three years worth of tinctures are worth $80,000. Wow. Pretend numbers here. but And then once you say, oh my God, I don't need three years of supply for tinctures, I would be okay with 21 days of supply, three weeks. So then when you can free up all of that inventory, what you're doing is also freeing up cash and space and time. And that is something that is obviously very valuable to the business, but something that can be clearly measured. And we can take a, a snapshot of what your days of supply or your inventory carrying costs looks like right now. And then after the implementation of our tools and services, and then say, hey, this was the benefit. This was the the the, the reward that you get from thinking about optimizing and using all this rich data to help make the business run more efficiently. And this is all done automatically for them. No manually compiling all this data and creating spreadsheets. You guys do it in an instant, basically. Correct. There is literally no manual intervention. There is no need for Excel or spreadsheet. All of this happens in near real time, accessible from anywhere on in in the cloud. You can pull it up on your smartphone or on your tablet or on your computer, and you can help to run the business more efficiently from, from anywhere and no longer have to rely on these cumbersome types of manual data modeling or analytics and focus your time on really the best strategic moves for the business by, again, I'll, I, I sound like a bro broken record here, but it's reducing waste, optimized process, and really looking at the business with this new, new sense of found clarity. Increasing profits. Yeah. Grow more weed and sell more weed. It's really kind of, that's the takeaway. So Matt, with your tool set, would you recommend folks get started with tools like Canald sooner in the process? You know, if I'm starting in a small cultivation or I'm starting with a small dispensary, or do you think it's more advantageous to wait until you become more of a vertical instance? No, we we have a nice, healthy mix of different types of customers. Most of our customers are vertically integrated, meaning that they touch the entire supply chain, but we do have quite a few customers that are only retail or only cultivation or only manufacturing or even just brands that don't actually even have any licenses. So the, the folks on the brand side are often the most starved for data. And I always liken what we offer to the saying about when you should plant a tree. It's either 20 years ago or today. And it's the same for the data modeling. And I go back to that statement that I said before is if you're not measuring it, you can't control it. And some of the things that operators are doing now with, uh, without being guided by data modeling or analytics or business intelligence are costing time and resources and money away, they're pulling it away from the business. So if you're thinking about data modeling or analytics, or if you're thinking how burdened you are with the lack of clarity that you have in the operation, there is no time like right now to start thinking about this in, in novel ways. 
Yeah, and I would say what's interesting about that, Matt, is we're seeing the same thing on our side of the ledger in the sense that, you know, we're seeing people wanting to cut on labor, right? Labor is a big, big cost item to this industry, and it's hard to keep, right? People get burnt out, they quit, they turn over. And the reason I'm saying that is, is I think right now this industry, as you can probably attest, is kind of going through a shakeout, right? You've got a lot of groups saying, well, maybe the state isn't profitable. Maybe this area is not profitable. We're seeing kind of that consolidation. But I think what's going to ultimately happen is you're going to end up with stronger companies that are more sustainable. And I guess those, unfortunately, that really don't have tools or don't take advantage of what kind of what we both are offering, in essence, may be finding themselves out of the business. Are you seeing similar? It's classic conventional wisdom about how to run a business. And if you're top heavy and if you're not thinking about optimization or or continuous improvement, then you are putting yourself at a, at a disadvantage. Whereas conversely, if you're thinking about optimizing processes and making things more efficient and reducing waste, then you are much more, you're better poised to weather any type of storm that comes up because you're thinking about making sure you're being guided by information and by data. I would summarize a lot of this as Dave referenced earlier that the reason we don't see more uptake of solutions like yours, and even solutions like ours sometimes, is because people feel like they're being forced to tag these and, and just for compliance. They don't realize how much more they could be selling, how much more they could be producing, how much more money they could be making if they ever actually leverage these tags like other industries do voluntarily. Would, would you agree? Yeah, there's some, there's definitely, and, and everyone can do better, myself included, is about education and, and evangelizing the power of all of this rich data. Again, if you are a licensed operator in basically any state in the United States, you have some type of obligation to track parts of your business, if not all of the business. And all of that tracking creates this 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 data all this rich data and anyone can be poised to leverage this data for the better of their business well education is one of the reasons we do this podcast so let's tell people how they can find you how how can they contact you matt what's what are your social media handles email what's the best way to reach you so the best way is probably by email. You can reach out to me directly. My email is matt, M-A-T-T, at canold, that's C-A-N-O-L-D.com. And you could also visit our website, which is canold.com, and get some more information about some of the tools and services that we have to offer and be able to think about what you're able to do with all the time that you get back by automating a lot of your manual data modeling and business intelligence processes. And for those people who are going to be in the Boston area or live in the Boston area, how do they find your distillery again? What's the name and what's the website? How do they get there? Sure. So the distillery is called Short Path Distillery. It's located in Everett, Massachusetts on 71 Kelvin Street. And we have a website, which is shortpathdistillery.com. And you can also check out our social handles, which are at Short Path Distillery. We have one more question for you, Matt. Bree, why don't you do the honors? 
All right, Matt, we are curious who your favorite outlaw is, be it real life, fictional, musician, whoever. So I would have to say that my favorite outlaw is Dr. Evil from the Austin Power series. (laughs) One of my favorites, too. Thank you, Matt, for being on our show. Thank you so much, Bree, Hans, David. Absolute pleasure. Love what you guys are doing. And I am excited to continue our great partnership here. And we look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions you'd like us to ask on our show about compliance, metric, or automation, please email them to us at info at outlawtechnology.net. If you know anybody in the business who could benefit from automation, please go to our website, outlawtechnology.net, and go to our referral page. You can download past episodes of our program by going to outlawtechnology.net, cannabisradio.com, or the Cannabis Radio app for iTunes and Google Play, as well as subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and be well. Be well.